0: Kevin Palmieri is his life trajectory was rising high in the in his early 20s. He had it all. Still, he questions his existence and considered suicide more than once. Fortunately, he chose life and worked through his demons to overcome his anxiety and depression. Today he is the CFO, founder, and co-host of Next Level University a global top 100 self-improvement podcast with more than 1,000 episodes reaching over a half a million people in more than 120 countries. Focused on learning and unlearning, he uses his experience to help others with a no BS approach
1: to holistic self-improvement. Welcome, Kevin. Debbie, thank you so much for having me. We had a little fun behind the scenes, so I'm excited (laughs) to see... we go today on this interview thank you again for having me i appreciate it
0: and i apologize for butchering the first no (laughs) worries
1: it happens i'm a podcaster so i could never get offended by that because i've done it my fair share of times and that's just par for the course (laughs) so
0: did you know what you wanted to do before you entered the work environment
1: i when when i graduated high school all of my friends went off to college And I didn't because I had no idea what I wanted to do in the world. And all my friends were out what seemed like living the dream, meeting new people, partying. And I was working at the town gas station. That was my first job. I was pumping gas. I worked from six in the morning till two in the afternoon full time. And that was where I got my start in terms of the the working world. And Debbie, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life until I did. And I think that's an interesting journey for me is i job hopped i made a lot of money at one point but i nothing seemed as good as podcasting when i started podcasting i said i want to find out a way to make that my thing and i never never looked back it's it's unlike anything i've ever done in my entire life it's the best it's the most difficult thing i've ever done but it's also the most fulfilling but no short version no i had no idea what i wanted to do before i did so the
0: statistics are staggering on suicide. Mm. And if you ask every human being under oath, every single one of them has likely thought about it from time to time. But can you tell us about the demons that caused you to consider it a little more seriously?
1: Yeah. So it actually happened more than once. And when I say happened, I mean, I really, I don't want to say contemplated, but I really thought about and focused on what it would be like if I wasn't here. So for context, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. And we were definitely lower middle class, not a lot of money. We never owned a home. We rented my entire life. And I think that stuck with me, especially growing up without a father. I think that led to a lot of self-worth issues for me and and self-belief and self-confidence issues. But I remember one afternoon, I was home from work and my girlfriend and I, at the time, we lived in Boston and we were renting this really nice three-story apartment in Boston with another couple. And we lived on the top, our, our bedroom was on the top floor and it was just a beautiful place, security cameras and it was just really nice. And I remember I was sitting in bed one day and I was home alone and the best way to explain it is I just felt gray everything just felt gray and dull and hopeless and stuck. And I remember thinking that if this is what life is, I don't know if I want to do it. That's the best way to explain it is I just kind of lost my will to continue. Hmm. And my girlfriend got home that day and I expressed that to her vulnerably. And she ended up convincing me to go to therapy. And that was the first time I really admitted that I had depression and anxiety. I went to therapy. It was in downtown Boston, which is the most anxiety-inducing thing in the world, trying to parallel park downtown. That's a whole thing. <laughs> but I, I walk into this building, and I walk up this spiral, creaky staircase, and I walk into the therapist's office, and I'm in the waiting room. And I remember thinking, I don't want to do this. I'm going to cry. This person's going to judge me. I have to like talk about myself. I don't want to do that. And I remember I cried. I had to talk about myself. The person didn't judge me, which I'm grateful for. But when I left that day, I was super, super grateful that I did that. I left and I felt the thing that I felt so scared to do. I was actually very grateful I did. And I actually looked forward to it going forward. And that's something I continued with for a while. But what the big thing that shifted for me was I went through a tough breakup. I was convinced that if I made more money, that would make me feel better about me. So I go through this tough breakup. I'm thinking to myself, how is anybody gonna love me? I'm broken, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, all these things. I'm gonna go make a bunch of money. So the next year I ended up making $100,000, and I was 26, I had no college degree, so it seemed like a miracle. I opened my final pay stub of the year, I I saw that six figures on there, and nothing changed inside of me. So I found quote unquote success, but I still felt unreasonably unsuccessful internally. This is and, after
0: therapy or before? Yeah,
1: this is after therapy. So I thought I had it figured out. I stopped going to therapy because things were working out. And that's, that's usually how it works, right? It, it, therapy went so well that I didn't have to do it anymore. And <laughs> I end up accomplishing what quote unquote seems like success. And I remember when I opened that final pay stub, I had that moment of, okay, I just spent an entire year working my face off So I could make all this money, but nothing changed. And then something inside of me shifted where I realized that for most of my life, I had been living unconsciously. The opposite of unconscious is hyperconscious. So I did what any 26 year old man would do. I started a podcast called the hyperconscious podcast. And then I was having these conversations with people about deep thoughts and about deep topics and about fears and the things they were excited about and all these things. And I stopped caring about my job. I literally just stopped caring about my job because I finally felt like I had a purpose. And what happened, Debbie, is I kept going to work and I kept traveling for work and I kept burning the candle at both ends and I felt like I had to pick between my job and the podcast. And it got to the point where I put the podcast off so much, I felt so out of alignment. I was in a hotel room in New Jersey and I lived in New Hampshire at the time and we did a lot of our work in New Jersey. So that's like seven hours from where I lived. And... I woke up in this crusty hotel room at 5.15 in the morning. My alarm went off. I woke up. I slid to the edge of the bed. I was lacing up my work boots. And the best way to explain it is there was 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. And every single one was on a different station. And one was saying, you're stuck at this job forever. It's too bad you want to leave. It's not going to happen. If you do leave, what will your friends think? What will your family think? And the loudest one for me was, do you really think you can be a successful podcaster? And I didn't. I genuinely didn't and in that moment i that was like the the rock bottom basement of i thought if i left the world i would take my problems with me i mean so
0: so but, how how did you you felt like you were alone at that moment
1: yeah i mean not only was i physically alone because i was 6 hours away from home i had a coworker in the room with me but we weren't friends so it wasn't like i was going to open up to that person but i i think that i felt hopeless and I felt helpless. And I felt like I wasn't in control of my future. I think that's the best way to explain it is I didn't, I did not have any hope for a brighter future. And I knew if, if things stayed the way they were, I couldn't, it wasn't sustainable. I couldn't keep doing that anymore. It was burning me down.
0: Let's, let's flush that out a little bit too, because I, it just got me thinking because so many young people feel that way, mm. uh, particularly teenagers, even in high school, regardless of their circumstances. And is that is that society in a way because they put pressure on you because you got to make, you know, have the big house and all that bullshit, pardon my language, mm-hmm. but is it the outside pressures that cause that or is it the internal pressures or a little
1: bit of both? Yeah, I think it's a mix of both. I think that If you don't have the level of self-awareness to understand what happiness and fulfillment are to you, you're always going to be on a treadmill chasing something that doesn't really exist. And I think that's what happened was it was more me than anything else. I don't... Society's expectations, like, yeah, that's definitely played a role in my life, but not. I don't think as much as most. I think I just... I couldn't imagine going back. Mm -hmm. Like, I couldn't imagine... So for context, I got a job where I was making anywhere from $60 to $120 an hour very much by luck. I went to this class that was on this, it was in this industry called weatherization. So we would go into state or government-owned buildings and make the buildings more energy efficient. That was my job. I went through this two-week course because I was like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I'll give this a shot. The end of it happens and the lady who brought me in said, I'm going to connect you with the best company. The only thing is there's a little bit of travel involved. And I said, "I'm not interested in traveling." She said, "You're going to make anywhere from 60 to 100 dollars an hour." I said, "I'm going to give that a shot. Let's give that a shot. I, that sounds good. And I remember one of the hardest things for me sitting on that bed was imagining going back to like a job that paid me 15 dollars an hour. I didn't know how I could do that. Pride was a part of it. My lifestyle was a part of it. right? My bills were like three or four thousand dollars a month. I couldn't go back to a job making $600 a week, I was making that in a day. So I think for me, it just felt circumstantially like I was trapped and I could not find a way out. So I think it was more, it was more me internally not understanding that I could create a brighter future paired with the circumstance of feeling stuck in a corner.
0: What, so what was that moment where you decided that you had to change this trajectory or it
1: was going to spiral out of control i'm blessed because i have had a mentor since the very beginning of my self-improvement journey alan he's the co-host the co-founder and the ceo of of our company and i messaged him i I knew that i needed to, to ask somebody for something i didn't know if i needed to ask for help or support or guidance But i remember i messaged alan on snapchat i don't know why we weren't texting but i messaged him on snapchat and i said hey man i'm going through like a really dark period some dark moments i'm having some dark thoughts i don't know what's going on i don't know what to do and alan is a very we call him a modern day philosophizer so he he's very into like philosophy the through line of what he said to me was kev so much has changed over the last couple years i mean you have a podcast you're focusing on self-awareness but your environment hasn't changed a ton Mm -hmm. i think that you need to change your environment and i think that for me debbie was the it was the permission to see that there actually might be a brighter future and that gave me hope enough to continue on my journey and then i ended up leaving my job three or four months later but it was because i had somebody in my corner i'm very blessed somebody not only somebody in my corner but somebody i trusted enough to tell the truth i think there's a fine line where a lot of us have people in our corners but we're afraid of their judgment mm. and maybe rightfully right? maybe they've judged you in the past or we're afraid that they'll worry about us or we're afraid they'll look at us differently when sometimes you just need to have that conversation with somebody because they might say something that makes you rethink it and that's what happened to me and and Alan's been by my side for the last five years. So I'm very blessed and I'm very grateful. And I'm glad I I reached out to him when I did.
0: And the other thing too is, is your environment does create, I mean, you can, you can work with your negative environment in a way sometimes and shut mm. those toxic thoughts out or the toxic environment out, but sometimes you just have to get out of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. that was it for me. I mean... I spent every week on the road for a year straight. Every week I lived in a hotel. I lived out of my suitcase. And when I went back home, I had a two bedroom, two bedroom apartment, uh, two bedroom, two bathroom apartment all by myself. So I was always, I always felt alone. And it was, that was part of it for me is like, I feel so trapped in this life that I've created. I do not know how to get out of this. This is all I know now. And me changing my environment helped me tremendously, tremendously. Now, I always like to throw a disclaimer out there that I understand if you have you know, a household and four children and two car payments and a mortgage payment, you probably can't just leave your job and go be a broke podcaster for a couple of years. So I wanna make sure that every, any piece of advice or any piece of story that I give is with the understanding that I was in a very unique perspective or a very unique circumstance where I actually could take that risk. and. I know not everybody can. So that yeah. path will look different for everybody. Are you worried about
0: backsliding? Because a lot of times, you know, it's good at the moment, but then <laughs> unless you, you know, work inside yourself and sometimes you get pulled back into that thought pattern. So what's different now?
1: I would say the biggest difference now is I'm actually fulfilled. And Fulfillment is like a buzzword and a lot of people say it. I don't know if anybody really knows what it means. I think everybody has their own different version and feeling about what fulfillment for me, fulfillment means being on purpose. It means doing what you're meant to do in the world and enjoying the process of growth and contribution. That's something Tony Robbins talks about growth and contribution. So I have grown more in the last year than I have the previous 31 for sure but I've also contributed way, 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 way more. So I think from that frame, I've worked on myself every single day for the last five years where I actually have self-love and I actually have raised my level of self-worth and self- belief. And I think I am aware enough now to understand what triggers me when I'm just having a bad day. So somebody asked me that one time, they said, do you think it'll ever happen again? And I said, and this was probably three years ago. And I said, I don't know. I don't know if it will. I can say confidently now that I would be very, very surprised if it ever did. Because I feel like I'm doing the right things very, very consistently. And I I just have such a big mission now that I get to do what I love every day. And a lot of the circumstances that I had in the past, I don't have anymore. So I really feel like, I mean, I have days where I wake up and I'm depressed. Like that happens but it's not, you know, I want to hurt myself or I don't know if I want to do this anymore. It's more like this is you going through something totally fine. No judgment on that. What can we do to either fill your cup or what do you have to do today to feel better about that? I think I'm just more tapped into my feelings than I used to be.
0: And of course, in the future, if something happens and say the power goes out permanently or, you know, stuff, you know, stuff happens, right? Knowing what you've already processed Mm. probably would help you at the next time something drastic happens. But on top of that though, what, I mean, what about some of the people that are going through their own demons and states of depression right now? How would you suggest they begin, and they may not be in a place, like you say, to get out of their current environment. How would you suggest that they get started on their
1: journey to kind of get out of that? Yeah, it's such a challenge. It's, it's a great question, and it's such a challenge. I think that you have to find, and I know it's cliche, but you have to find something bigger than you. And when I say that, I don't mean intrinsically, you're not a valuable human being. I just mean, it's it's hard to be focused on self when you're focused on others. So that would be my natural reaction would, would be to say, when I felt the best after I went through that, it was when I knew I was directly helping other people. And I, I, this is the other thing too, you have to make sure you're helping people with scars, not open wounds. Right. Uh So like, I would not describe that a little more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've taught, I've told my story, I don't know, thousands of times at this point. So for me, it's scarred over. I can talk about it. We can dig into all of it. I am not ashamed. I'm not afraid. It doesn't trigger me in any way, shape or form where if you asked me the day after I had those thoughts and said, Hey, can we have a conversation about this? That was still an open wound and i would not have been able to talk about that without that doing something detrimental to me so i believe in one of our mentors evan carmichael said this your purpose comes from your deepest pain my purpose in life is really to try to help people from ever getting to the point i got to through self-improvement but that required me to tap into that moment after i got through it and say yeah this is what i want to be in the world so i think that you have to figure out what service would you like to bring to the world i think that's something And then I think growth helps. I really feel like a lot of us, when we feel stagnant, that's when you lose hope. When you lose hope, it's because you don't feel like you're making progress towards anything. And I think even in my story, I made all the progress I wanted, and I felt like I was starting over, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to progress towards. So those are a couple things I would say. I think another important thing is you've got to check the circle that you're surrounding yourself with. There's, there's such a, one of my favorite quotes in the world, Debbie, are the people in your life, the best from your past or the best for your future? Mm. I, I was very blessed because I had really positive people around me. That's one thing I've been very, very blessed with, but I can, I can imagine if I had a negative group of people around me who I didn't trust and who were putting doubt into my fire, I don't know that things would have been the same for me. So that's another important thing is your community, whether you know it or not, your community is having a giant impact on you.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, if you all you see in Facebook and Twitter and your feeds is negative, 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 you need better people in your feeds. <laughs> I agree. I agree. 100%. <laughs> because not everybody is like that. Yeah. And same with same with addicts, you can go to the clinics and you can get clean all you want, but if you hang around with the same people, you're right. You just end up back in the same
1: spot. Yeah, it's a challenge. And it's a challenge to, to create a new circle for sure. And it hurts, it's hurtful. You don't know how to, I mean,
0: the last few years have been a great test on community and how to clean up our communities of stuff that we don't want to see every day or, and some of them have been their closest friends and that hurts when you've had to go to that extreme to kind of, I can't, I just can't do the toxic stuff anymore, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to do
1: that really hard. It is. It is. I, so I'll share this transparently and, and vulnerably i had a really i mean this person was like a brother to me this person was like a brother had three children i held all three of his children in the hospital the day they were born i was the best man at his wedding he would call me when he was struggling when he was crying when he was depressed like i was his right hand man and i was dating a girl and she was going to meet my friends for the first time and i said these are the two people that are going to be there person one and person two and I said, person one is the most respectful human being you'll meet in your life. He is just the man. He's the best, super supportive, he's just awesome, just an awesome, awesome human. I said, person two is kind of a dick. <laughs> like, and then I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, he's, he's probably going to say something inappropriate. He's probably going to make jokes at your expense, and he's probably going to make it pretty weird. And I remember when I was saying that, I was like, what am, why would I do that? Like, imagine if somebody introduced me that way. Like, how would that, you know, how would that set that friendship up for me? And I started to try to be more and more truthful with that person. And eventually that per- that person filtered out of my life. Mm-hmm. Because that's not who I'm supposed to surround myself with. And I don't mean that with any ego. I, I don't. No. Right? But why would somebody who is so focused on getting better every single day so he can bring something amazing to the world and somebody who's so focused on looking in the mirror of the self-awareness and where I'm messing up and where I'm getting better and somebody who's super focused on service, why would I have somebody in my life who doesn't treat me well? That's not fair to me, right? And that was very painful. I still think about that person all the time. I think about that person's kids all the time. It makes me emotional thinking about that. It genuinely does. But I knew that was what's, what was best for my future. So many of our relationships are what they used to be. We used to go to high school together. I know, I know you did. We used to go to college together. I know we used to do all these things, but is it going to be that way in the future? Are they actually going to help you get to the future that you want to? If not, I'm not saying you have to do anything, but I would have a conversation with yourself about that and say, well, am I willing to give up my goals for this friendship? Am I willing to give up my dreams, my potential dream relationships, my dream body, my dream business, whatever it may be, it's it's a real conversation you have to have with yourself.
0: I'm not sure where this originates, but I but the, there is that saying where you are the sum of the five closest people around your life. Yep. 100%. 100%. Your pod <clears throat> Excuse me, your podcast talks about people do why they do what they do. So what have you learned yourself the
1: most from this experience? oh man i would say i i have learned the most about myself but particularly my insecurities i this this journey has just been so challenging because there's been so many opportunities for me to tuck my tail and turn around and go home and i've had to face a lot of different mirrors of okay well i'm gonna go i'm gonna go speak on stage i'm terrified of that what if this goes horribly wrong And then there's been times where it's gone horribly wrong. And I got up the next day and I felt sad, but I just made sure I did better the time after that. So I would say that the thing I've learned the most about is self-awareness and how you got to be wildly honest with the things that you're good at. And you have to be even more honest with the things that you're bad at. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what true humility is. If somebody comes to you, if you're say you're say you've been rated the top teacher in the district for the last five years and somebody comes to you and says hey debbie you're an amazing teacher i think true humility is saying thank you so much i appreciate that i receive that i've worked really really hard over the last five years not no i'm not i'm just you know i got lucky i don't think that's true humility now on the other end if somebody comes to you and says hey debbie i really feel like you could have done better here 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 and here and that's somebody that you value, true humility is saying, you know what? I appreciate that very much. Thank you for those words. I appreciate that perspective. That's something that I think I can work on. I agree with you. I think that's true humility and that's something I've had the opportunity to, to work on on both ends. I get wonderful intros when I go on shows because we have a thousand episodes and all that and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But it's taken me a long time to say, you know what, I am a, I am a pretty good podcaster. Like I am a pretty good speaker. I've just done it way more than most people. And then there's the other side of me, practice, the reps. And then there's the other side of me that's like, I am just not very good at blank. I'm just cooking. I'm not good at cooking. And I think it requires humility to admit that. I mean, it's not something that, you know, is super personal or connected to me. So maybe not as much humility, but I think that's an important, important lesson for all of us. And that just goes back to the community. If you, another quote that I love the level of your relationships is directly correlated to the level of vulnerability in them. If you can't talk Mm. about stuff like the stuff with the people in your life, again, I would revisit your circle. I was almost crying there a couple minutes ago with Debbie and I just met Debbie and I'm grateful for that, but (laughs) it's, it's one of those things where I feel safe having a conversation with you.
0: That is really a good point because a lot of times you want to talk to somebody and they kinda their response is very I mean, it makes you feel like shit
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think people are afraid to some people are afraid to go there, like that requires if if you're being well, empathy
0: vulnerable... is a thing too, some people yeah. don't have
1: the empathy, yeah gene. yeah well and and I think part of it is like if you're being if you're being vulnerable with me. I have to open up and be vulnerable to accept your vulnerability, which, so it does. I think vulnerability requires, it's like an outlet. It requires something to plug into. And yeah. if you don't have anything to plug into, it's very hard for you to transfer that emotion and those feelings. And it requires a, a dance partner for lack of a better term.
0: I think that also, comes with finding a safe person to talk Mm. to it may not necessarily be your best friend we tell that to kids all the time particularly the lgbtq communities and and you know people who are being bullied we tell them to find somebody safe and it may not be the person that's supposed to be the safe person Mm. it may be somebody else but and you don't usually know until you just kind of like plant a little seed here and see how they respond to it. Yeah. And uh, and then you decide right there. Oh, can I tell them more? <laughs> yeah.
1: We've seen a lot of that. It's like, I know more, we have, we have people who are just listeners of the podcast and they ended up being like real big integral parts of the community, but I know more about their lives than some of their family members do mm-hmm. because they, I think one of the things is I'm very vulnerable when we share. So I think that builds a bridge of trust where they say, well, Kevin's vulnerable, so I feel like I can be vulnerable with him. But I, I think part of it is like I'm kind of a stranger in a way. So it is. It's a good little test to say, like, can I can I get away with saying this? Okay, let me. Can I get away with saying this? And I think it just helps because you may never meet me in real life. So I, I think there's some empowerment when it comes to that. Absolutely. And
0: so talk about the aspect of holistic self-improvement. And what does that entail?
1: Mm. So... When Alan and I, so Alan's the the co-host, the business partner, when we were trying to find role models, because we both we both grew up without fathers, we wanted to find people who had health, who had wealth, and who had love. And it was very, very challenging to find role models that had all of them. Mm-hmm. Because some people are really good at making money, some people are really good at love, some people are really good at being in shape, but it's a very small segment of the population that's really mastered all of it. So when we were figuring out what we wanted to do in the world, we said, well, we're both bodybuilders, we're very passionate about health, we both are focused on making money because we realize that's how you pour back into the business, and we both want to have the most extraordinary relationship possible. We don't want success without all three. And that became our brand. Our brand is heart-driven, but no BS, holistic self-improvement for Dream Chasers. Holistic, well-rounded. I don't want you to stay up all day and all night and work. I want you to get 8 hours of sleep, and I want you to go to the gym, and I want you to drink enough water, and I want you to have vulnerable, difficult conversations with your partner and yourself. And I also want you to learn how to make money and understand finance and so I think it's we weren't taught a lot of that in school. You know, you're, yeah. you're not taught a lot of that. And not a thing, <laughs> right? And and I I have nothing but the utmost respect for teachers. They do amazing things in the world and they very rarely get the credit that they they deserve but one thing i will say is i think it's very hard for students to listen to people who don't have the results that they want i think that's just a human thing where alan and i have we have we're in good shape that's what i'll say we're in good shape so somebody can look to us and say you know what i can take fitness advice from that person we're a successful business where we make multi six figures they can say oh okay their wealth principles make sense and we both have very very positive relationships with our partners where people can say oh they're actually practicing what they preach so for us we're trying to lead by example which is a heavy burden Mm -hmm. in a positive way it's it's definitely a pressure it's definitely a responsibility but it forces me to be better every single day and i think you know we're in a different place in time right now where leaders don't lead by talking the best leaders lead by doing and it's very hard to follow somebody who doesn't practice what they preach. So we're trying to practice it daily.
0: Plus you also have to own your vulnerabilities. So yes. if something of that three, three prong table, one leg fell off, mm-hmm. you have to own that yeah. and just say, oh, okay, this happened, but I still and have, we did. The, I still have this.
1: <laughs> yeah, we We did recently, Debbie, Alan and I were like, we're kind of out of shape. We're not in nearly as good of shape as we want to be. We've been so focused on the business. Like we lost sight of it. We, it was not as big of a priority as it was in the past. We made a commitment on the podcast that we were both going to lose 10 pounds and I'm down eight. I think Alan is down six. He's slacking a little bit, but we, we got to be down 10 pounds by August 1st. That was a commitment we made to our community. If we don't make it, we don't get to record an episode. So <laughs> you better believe I'm trying as hard as humanly possible every day. Cause I will not miss an episode.
0: So what has this experience taught you about what's really important in life? It's a good question. And it isn't money. Money, money doesn't no. matter.
1: No, money is money's good for certainty, shelter. You can have fun, you know, but it's not, it's not going to fulfill you. No. I would say, and this is kind of a cop-out, but you kind of have to be wildly honest with what actually matters to you. Mm. In terms of, I'm not super big on family. I love, like my fiance and I, I see her every single night, and I want to spend as much time with her as humanly possible. But I see my mom and my grandmother like once every three months. And th- again, this is my perspective. That's okay with me. I, that's, I, I'm not, I've never been guilted into going to see my family. It's not how it works. So I came to my own understanding that my family is very supp- supportive, and I love them dearly but quality time with my family is just not a very high need for me it just isn't Qu- having a ton of friends just doesn't appeal to me i don't require a lot of attention i'm like i'm like a a cat you can just put me in the corner and i'm good like i don't <laughs> need a lot of attention so i think that the through line for me is if you didn't have any external pressure and i understand that's a big if but what would you actually value like what are your actual core values when nobody else is affecting them that's important thing because if you're a people pleaser and you just say yes all the time because you know it benefits other people you're not going to be happy you gotta you have to learn the power of saying no when it's out of alignment and I think I've gotten really really good at that which I'm grateful for it's definitely pain and people will not like that all the time but I can put my head down at the end of the at the end of the day and say I feel like I did the right thing for me today and I think that's that's important that leads to
0: fulfillment if people learn nothing else from your message, what is the one thing you want them to know that will move them into feeling better about
1: themselves? Your future can look very drastically different in a year. I mean, we've only been doing this for five years. You know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not that long. That's, it's just not that long. And yeah, if you start something today, 12 months from today, your life can look and feel and... You can think and believe different. That's what I would say. A year is a long time and a lot can change for you. Thank you so much, Kevin. That was, that's a great way to end this. You're very welcome. Thank you. This was wonderful. I appreciate you so much.